1: Here we go, DNVR Avalanche Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host for today, Jesse Montano. Are joined, you? Mm, well, I'm filling in. Are you? Are you Jesse Montano? Oh, am I Jesse Montano? Are yeah, you I, an I,
0: imposter?
1: I thought maybe you were uh, questioning whether I was the host or not, and it's like, well, technically not. I'm a, I'm, I'm the guest host. And I'm a little in pasta as well. Nice. Oh, there she goes. Ooh, everyone got just a quick little glimpse at Hannah as she went up the stairs. There she is. <gasps> She's real.
0: I can't believe least... I can't believe that you got your cleaning lady to do that for you.
1: <laughs> she was about to leave too, and it was like as the countdown, I was like, Hey, actually, before you head out, could you just wave to the camera? Uh <laughs> <clears throat> I'm joined by AJ Haefely. This person talking shit to me for the last two minutes has been AJ Haifley. Uh, and we're here on an AVS. Not necessarily an off days. they did start back to practice today, but uh, you still have a couple days before they go back to work uh, with taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning at Ball Arena on Thursday. We are going to get into all that. We have we have plenty of AVS stuff to kind of touch on, but first, AJ. Um, the women's uh, olympic group stage ended last night usa oh, yeah. took on canada uh did you watch the game yeah uh what do you think
0: i think it's a prelim game it's only <laughs> like- it's only it's only as important as you decide it is
1: yeah no 100% they're they're always fun, if fun the united games-
0: states won i'd be talking endless amounts of <laughs> shit about it because yeah. I'm not, uh, or because they didn't, I'm just trying to be cool about it and not be that guy right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a Canada <laughs> victory. Uh, the final was four to two. Um, <laughs> this is always a really fun rivalry. Um, I've always cared way more about the U.S. Canada women's rivalry than I have the men's.
0: Oh, totally. Because the U.S. Anytime the U.S. men beat the U.S. Uh, or, or the Canadian men, it's an upset. Yeah, the U.S. Yeah. women are on the same plane of existence as the Canadian women.
1: Well, well and and the other thing too that I've always struggled with in the, in the best on best for the men's, um, is like I I have there's Canadian players that I like. Like I don't like a lot of the American. Men's players, yeah,
0: like that year that they to the Olympics that they took like Zach Parise and Dustin right. Brown and like Justin Abdelkader went to that right, to, to, on that right. team, and you were just like,
1: "Well, and, and good you God, know,
0: this team isn't even fun to root for." Like, right, what, right. what is Jeremy Ronick not available right now? Like, good God.
1: Well, and that was also in the heyday of Joe Pavelski just eating the ABS alive as a shark, and he was, you know. Always one of the the mainstays on that. See, so yet you, you had lines of Justin Adbul-Kater, uh Zach Parise, and and Joe Pavelski. It's like you're expecting me to celebrate a goal from that group of three. Um, but so I've always looked for. I always, <laughs> right. I always love the the U.S. Uh, Canada women's game. Um, it's tough to beat a team twice in a tournament. Like you said, had it gone the other way, I'd be like, ah. Just proves that they're still better. Um, but yeah, tonight I'm, or right now I'm going with stuff to beat the team twice. I have to ask you, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin is hooked on a breakaway. I would a just like to say shot. that
0: right before that happened, I was at the bar with a couple of our peeps. Uh, and I was talking about how much I can't stand her Dude. because she's so freaking good. It's well, like the respect hate, not like yeah. the I actually hate you. It's just that I can't stand you because you destroy the US constantly. Right. Like you're well, so sick. Can you just retire already?
1: God damn it. I mean, it's it's like, you know, Tom Brady and 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 stuff like that, where it's yeah. just like, can yeah. you stop? Can like, you stop? Do you ever relax? Well, Come and dude, I, I feel like I've you know, I I feel like she's been fucking tearing up the 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 u.s for decades she's only 30
0: as long as yeah i was last night i was like what are you talking you're like 50 years old how do you have right. legs like that
1: right but when she
0: turned on those jets i was like come on yeah yeah and and and, and then she uh, of course she's not even close to 50 she's just it's just well, a dude, she's probably
1: she probably has two more olympic cycles in her
0: yeah, if she wants, that, dude.
1: That second one probably won't be quite as effective as what we saw yesterday. Cause she'll be just I'm not, I'm not making that, that bet. I'm not making but that right. bet. Right. But dude, I mean she just she she's been such a huge part of that that Canadian team for so long now. Yeah, she's um, so sick, dude. But that I'm not hook. sure if I thought that was a penalty shot.
0: So like the hook is totally a penalty.
1: Oh, 100%. Totally. But
0: also, there's like two full seconds after that hook takes place where there's no contact. She's free to make whatever move she wants.
1: Yeah, she she was able to recollect the puck, throw a little like shoulder head fake, Mm -hmm. and then put a shot on. It's like that hook slowed her down, but did not keep her from a scoring chance. Yeah, Uh, again.
0: as a as a penalty i had 100% no issues whatsoever yep. it is a 1000% hooking yep uh in terms of in terms of a penalty shot i like i i would think that what uh i think it was burkovsky
1: just like, two weeks yeah, ago last week
0: yeah uh, who got open who got free and it was just like You know, like it was, right. it was like okay, <laughs> like uh, how is that not a penalty shot? Right, because all the all the the contact was right.
1: Was, know, was right it right kept on him from making it. the yeah. move? You know, the puck got on and net, like, but he wasn't.
0: Yeah, well, and like he he shot it wide or he shot it high, and mm-hmm. it was just like. Uh, but a really important piece of context here is I don't know how the I A H F rule differs from the N H L rule. Yeah. So, because, because
1: the NHL rule and, and the, you know, like the USA hockey rule that I grew up playing under was if you are obstructed from your scoring chance, if you yeah. don't get a scoring chance because of the penalty, that's what constitutes a penalty shot. And for me, like like you just said, that should have been a hook. It should have yeah. been two minutes, 100%. Definitely. But I, I just thought that it was weird because the hook took place at the blue line. Um, she had a and, clear
0: opportunity afterwards.
1: After so, that. She, she even got yeah. – I mean, she got like a little breakaway after the hook. So yeah. I, I just thought it was weird. And and the only reason that I'm even, you know, talking about it is she obviously uh, – Poulin goes on to score on the penalty shot. That makes it 4-2. to two. And you and I were talking on the phone earlier. I finished watching the game – but I was on my phone for the rest of it because it was just one of those things where it's like, yep, this one's done. You you could just tell that just changed the momentum. Um, It just kind of took the the wind out of the sails of the, of the U S ladies. But I, 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 if one of these teams doesn't make it to the gold medal game, that that'll be one of the bigger upsets um, in recent Olympic memory. Uh,
0: Yeah. Since the last time they didn't do it. Which was when? When Sweden beat them in the semis. The U.S.? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, I don't know if that was the Olympics or the World Championships. I, they all I, just I, sort of mashed together at this yeah. point <laughs> well, in my brain, and I can't, rem- I can't remember Olympic cycles
1: versus champ- World US Championships. World anymore. Championships. I mean, the the U.S. and Canadian women are just so dominant. Canada had a plus 26 goal differential going into last night. <laughs> they yeah. played they had played Dude. 3 games.
0: Dude, they're so sick.
1: And that's just what they were positive. That's not even all the goals that they scored. Right. That's just that's just, you know, their differential. So and, and the US women weren't far behind. So <clears throat> you expect to see those two in the final again. Um
0: I hope. I hope so. Like I, I'm, I'm sure it's good for the women's game and all for it to be, you know, for there to be some diversity of of championship contenders. But that rivalry is so good and delivers, dude. It's time good. and time again that 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 stat that they showed last night during the game that mm-hmm. seven of the last nine and now it's the last ten have yeah. gone into overtime. Yeah, is like, dude, how? even is this rivalry like how great is it
1: well and, and they talked about that the largest margin of margin of victory between the two in any capacity was seven to four the us beat canada back in 1998 but even that came with two empty net goals yeah. so it was five to four and then two empty yeah. nets were added so i mean like like it's just it, it's two of the most evenly matched teams
0: and it's just great hockey because Oh, <laughs> one of the worst criticisms of the women's game is the lack of physicality. And then you watch that game last night and you're like what's that? Right, like there right. were multiple boarding incidents where I was like yo that shit's illegal in the NHL.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's just the the pace of the game isn't what the NHL is obviously. Um yeah. you know the NHL is the you know the pace of the AHL isn't what the NHL is. So, you know, yeah. it's <laughs> it's not that but I really do. You're on the bigger ice. And because there isn't the women's game kind of reminds me of like really high end roller, which if anybody, you know, I know a bunch of people are going to shit on that, but like,
0: yeah, probably take that as an insult. And I know, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not what, what I always loved. I I played a lot of really high end roller growing up. And even still what's fun about it is it's kind of like the women's game in the terms of, There's no checking allowed, but there is absolutely contact and there's physical play. And when you have that hitting, just a, I mean, you see it, you see a level of it in the NHL when you're not having to worry about like huge open ice hits. Yeah. The skill is just. It jumps off the ice, man. Oh, I mean, it's really obvious. So. And and that's what I see in the women's game a lot. Yeah, is... I mean,
0: well, and like you could tell last night, like halfway through the second period, the temperature of the game went way up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and the 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 intensity, the physicality, all of it went up. Yeah. I mean, you had you had people just straight up running into people last night, and it was yeah. it was awesome, man. Like it was great. It was a great hockey game. No, I I obviously loved it I and... would have loved a different result, but there's never never once have I sat down to watch USA Canada in the women's game and been like, well, I wish I'd done something else
1: and, and been disappointed in the product. Like you said, right. you can be disappointed in the result, but I, I don't know if I've ever been disappointed in the product. No, it, it rules. Yeah, no, it's, it's phenomenal. So that group stage did wrap up last night, uh, with the metal round, I believe starting tomorrow. um, And I'm looking up on the fly because I'm a super, super prepared individual. Um, Do you know off the top of your head?
0: The camera work always – the camera work in hockey is something I think needs to be overhauled in production, Mm -hmm.
1: league-wide,
0: hockey worldwide. Because if if anybody that's been watching juniors or the AHL extensively over the last several years can tell you that camera work is – I wish Rudo was here for this right now because he could tell you all the horror stories from small rinks in the queue. in the queue Don't when you're trying me. to watch prospects and you've got that thing on the fucking moon and it's got seven pixels and you're trying to figure out players and it's the same it's, camera it's they just, use on
1: the blue line.
0: Yeah, I, that camera is a much, much bigger upgrade than what we're talking about here. Yeah. So is it's just a very uh I, I think camera work needs to be overhauled in the entire hockey world.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Good. And it's tough because you you definitely don't have like some of the same angles. Um I I've liked when they've they've used it primarily for the outdoor games. I'd love to see them be able to incorporate it to some extent. Um they had it at the All-Star game, but a cable on, or a camera on a on a cable. Um that's kind of able to do that like right overhead. I I really like it when they use it for the outdoor games because you kind of run into the similar problem with the outdoor games where the cameras are just fixed so much yeah. further away.
0: They're just so uh, far.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm with you there. The men's tournament does technically start tonight, but it'll be tomorrow morning, uh, 3.15 a.m. Eastern is when the men's tournament gets going out in Beijing. Are you planning uh, to watch it? Uh, the men's tournament in general or the games yeah. tonight?
0: The men's tournament in
1: general. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I will yeah, not for be sure. Making that you won't be.
0: No, Lost Ark uh, came out today. Um, I'm gonna attempt to have some sort of a social life. The effort that it requires to watch the Beijing Games uh, for something <sighs> for for something that I'm just genuinely not very interested in.
1: Yeah, it's, like I'm, I
0: hope Canada gets a medal, so Mark Barbario gets something dope because I
1: yeah I love Mark and dude, he's fucking awesome. Yeah,
0: like Barbs is great, right? Like, and I would, I would I'd love to root for the for for the good guys of the game.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: You know, I'm. I hope the U.S. gets a medal. So Drew Hellison has one. You know, like I'm right.
1: No, I'm with you.
0: There are are things that I care about happening. I don't care to make the effort to get there.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll make the effort for
0: the women's though.
1: The 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 men's tournament will kind of like what you're saying. It'll probably be a lot of a second screen experience for me. Um, But. yeah, I, I'm with you. I'll, I'll make the time for uh, U.S. and Canadian uh, women's games here as they go through the medals. Um, I'll, I'll watch the men's. I will not be up at fucking 4 a.m. tonight like I yeah. was for the uh, U.S.-Russia T.J. Oshie shootout. I was up early for that. I yeah. will not be up early well, for... <laughs> when
0: NHLers go back to the Olympics, I will be making every effort imaginable. Yes to get to, to watch those games, to enjoy those games. Yeah, but... I'm going to be requesting press credentials so that we can go, yeah.
1: like... Well, and I just... The other thing, too, and this is such, like, a... <clears throat> and I'm, like, uh, such an American problem, but... Fuck, dude. Like, every game recently has been in Asia. It feels like. Like, everything is just on the worst time zone for us. Yeah, The so last... Fast several years. And I think well, uh, even the next
0: couple, the Brazil games were great because it was like, Oh, what's that? <laughs> we're only, we're only like an hour or two off of this cycle. That right. Right.
1: One, well, even like when they're in Europe, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not desirable, but they're not bad. Yeah. Dude, 2018, 2020, and now 2022 have all been in Asia. So like we, we've been on a real bad cycle in terms of times. Um, You've got France, then Italy, and then uh, Los Angeles in 2028. So that'll be nice, and then and then Australia in 2032. So probably won't be watching much of that.
0: And uh, the World Cup is coming to North America.
1: Soccer or yeah,
0: hell yeah! It's gonna split. It's gonna be split between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. All three are hosting.
1: Uh, that's right. That's right. And Ooh, uh, we're trying to get some games here, right? In Denver.
0: Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Here probably knows better about that, about the details of those. Anyway, Uh, we'll totally, if there, if there's a, if there's a world cup, uh, if there's a world cup game in Denver, we're working that game.
1: Well, Denver is very lickly apparently. So, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it is an attractive city.
1: Yeah. We're, we're, we're a lickly city to get a, get a game. Uh, no, I know what you mean. I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DNVR Avalanche podcast here, uh, brought to you guys by DraftKings. also brought to you guys by our good friends over at Breckenridge Brewery, which is the official beer of DNVR with their regular beers and seltzers now being sold in the bar. You guys know we love our friends over at uh, Breck. Their beers, or seltzies. What we love even more is that this summer... Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association. And uh, look, the tragic fires that happened right at the end of last year here in Colorado were absolutely devastating uh, and and horrific to to have people go through and and to see those scenes. Um, And that is one of the many reasons why uh, Breck Breck Brewery is donating 1% of all All of their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you are donating 1% to our great outdoors. We'll be hosting fun events at the DNVR bar to promote this awesome uh, collaboration. So come down, drink a few uh, beers, Celsius, uh, whatever it is, help out a great cause. Go to slash in good co for more details and head down to the farmhouse, socially distanced, beautifully, beautifully. Oh my gosh, beautifully set up for outside dining as we are starting to come out. We're, we got to get through February, then you're into March. It's going to start getting nice out. Um, again, avalanche beer, strawberry sky, vanilla porter. You guys know they have it all. Check the Breck Beer Locator to find a location nearest you. As I said, this is the DNBR Avalanche Podcast, brought to you guys uh, by our good friends over at DraftKings. It is the moment we have all been waiting for since September. It's finally here, and in honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is in a official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. So if you bet just $5, uh you get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can still experience Super Bowl 56 with Super Bowl 56 props instead, combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the Drafting Sportsbook app. Use promo code DNBR to get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNBR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting par- partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Jesse Montano, AJ Haifley, uh here hanging out with you guys. Let's get into some abs a little bit. There was news out of practice this morning. Uh, Nathan McKinnon did return to the ice. Um... At practice, he was wearing a normal sweater. He was wearing the Carl Soderberg classic uh, kind of uh, deep aviator visor comes down past the nose. Uh, I believe it was Matt Duchesne who we saw go to that a couple years ago, and he looked real funny. Uh, but it's not going to the full bubble. He was in a normal jersey, so we were expecting that he was going to be back Thursday, but it does yeah. look like he <clears throat> will be held out until Sunday. Um, just another example
0: of the Avs this year just being overly cautious and just saying, yep. hey, if we can give you an extra extra day, you know. I do think uh, – this is my personal fun theory of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, had they beaten Arizona, he'd be playing.
1: Oh, you think so? Yeah. Oh, Had the, had the home
0: winning streak continued, I think he'd be playing. But because it was a thing that was important to them. Yeah. They cared a lot about it. And I don't, I mean, what's going to be drastically different in two days with his condition? You know, no, that's or a great maybe point. He, he feels a little bit better. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not meaningless, but <laughs> I i just don't think that uh, after, the, no after, the, the, it. after it ended, I think. Yeah.
1: No, no need to, no need to rush it. And, and so let's talk, let's pause on that for just a second here and, and talk a little bit about, we've seen Jared Bednar do this multiple times this season uh, on defense up front and really even kind of in goal. Um, you know, they took a really cautious approach earlier this year when Darcy Kemper missed a few games. Mm-hmm. One, h- how do you feel about that? And two, Talking about the lineup, how advantageous of a position are the abs in relative to other teams around the league when you sit here and say, look, you can hold Nathan McKinnon out of your lineup um, because you feel pretty confident that you've got the depth to fill in for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that their standing position, as Dario mentioned uh, in, in the chat, their standings position also means that they can pick days like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they could, they, they don't have to feel the same sense of urgency. You know, if you're, if you're in Winnipeg or Dallas, a spot, you know, and you're fighting for a chance, like you probably don't have those days to give away right. those games to kind of just say, well, our, our, our star player, our best player doesn't have to play for us. Right. We can, we can do without him in this one. You know, and like the abs are 10 2 and 1 this year in games of which Nathan McKinnon has not played. So it's not like they've completely fallen apart here.
1: Right, right. Um, so it so Val was getting the reps with that top line. How have you liked uh Nuke skating with that top unit, ranting in at center? Uh
0: I don't. It's it's a, it's very obvious to me anyway, it feels very obviously like hey, this is a pandemic. It's a fine Band-Aid. I don't, like, I'm not like they should change it. Uh, it's probably the best option that they have with Kadri playing the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine. Um, it works. Like, it's, it, it makes sense, and it's just it's not a big deal. Guys, they haven't yeah. lost the game yet, you know. Like, Chad is filling up with these conversations about, oh, well, it's fine if they lose the game, you know. Oh, yeah. well, no big deal they still like, they're still a really good hockey team. Right. I know, I know Tampa Bay is back-to-back champs for a reason, but like, the yeah, they're still a pretty good team too. Yeah.
1: Even, even without Nathan McKinnon. And I, I, there's even a little bit of a part of me that thinks that like, <laughs> I don't think Jared Bednar likes having Nathan McKinnon out of his lineup, but you know that, cause, cause it's easier to challenge
0: they, his guys without right. McKinnon against a team like Tampa Bay it's easier for him to be like, okay. Because there's a monotony to the regular season. And, you know, especially because they've played so many bad teams recently that them going up against another good team, you know, the, the, the number of good teams that they played last month, not many. You know, Minnesota, Boston, Toronto, and then however you feel about the California teams, the the L.A. Anaheim. That's it. Like that was that was it, man. So, yeah. <clears throat> I I do think that in terms of like challenging his his group, uh, I think that it's easier to do when you are missing a guy like McKinnon because there is more pressure on everybody else to step their games up because he does so much of the heavy lifting. He does so much of the work. So. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we talked on yesterday's show about, you know, guys like Andre Burakovsky, and, and you know, we were talking trade deadline stuff, and I mentioned Phil Kessel's name, uh, being able to just go out there and score a goal. And that's part of what puts Nathan McKinnon into such a, a weirdly elite tier is because he's got so many parts of his game that make him tough to handle, but he also has that just, like, easy goal ability. So he's a really easy candidate that when the team's not going well – to throw him over the boards and and uh, and get your team going. So yeah, it's 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 interesting when he's not out there or when he's not available to see how how the rest of the team responds. One of the things I was asked a lot to to Jared Bednar and then about Jared Bednar uh, the last weekend in Vegas. Um, everyone was wanting to know how does he do it managing the as many players as he does, as many high skilled players as he does. And this is another kind of example where that comes around of you've got a lot of players that you could probably justify going into that spot. How, how, how is it that Jared Bednar is able to put a guy like nuke there while still getting so much out of Nazem Kadri on that second line when it would be really easy for him just to plug Kadri into that top line.
0: Um, what's
1: the exact question In, in, in your, in your assumption, Summation? What's the word I'm looking for here? To, to you. <laughs> okay. Jerry you know, Jerry Bednar has to manage a lot of really highly skilled players. And yeah. it'd be easy to see, um, you know, especially with, with some of the guys he has, ego getting in, in the way, making sure that you're giving this guy enough ice time. Well, hey, nazim Kadri, you know, you're on the second line, you're having a career year, Nathan McKinnon gets hurt. I'm not gonna just bump you up to the top line. How is how is it in, in accord, you know, from from where you're sitting, AJ, how is it that he does it so effectively where you're not disrupting the rest of the team, but still continuing to get this group to to kind of hum along, even when you're missing some of these guys?
0: Oh, well, and that speaks to that speaks to the group's maturity, um, the leadership, both from the coaching staff and from the players themselves uh, to hold yeah. themselves to a standard and say, OK, because it would be easy for them to use an excuse and say, Oh, we don't have Nathan McKinnon, you know, so we're not going to be as good. But instead they use that to try and challenge themselves Mm -hmm. and they set a standard and it doesn't matter who's playing on, on, on any given day. That standard still exists. That standard is the standard. Those are the expectations. That's why even in, even when they went to Nashville and they had half of an AHL team and guys are getting pulled out of the lineup. 3 minutes before the game starts and they say hey we have a ch- we have an opportunity not to play this game that's why they played. I mean we go right. and said after the game he said look there are no excuses. It's our job to go out and win hockey games. And yep. that right there gave you the idea gave you gave you true insight into how this team goes about its business and how it conducts itself. Now it wasn't like it was a special answer from Ranton. it wasn't like it was off the wall or anything but it does tell you it's informative hey this is the standard that they hold themselves to
1: well and and I, I i i agree with you in terms of like yeah it's not a super special answer but you know that there would have been guys around the league who would have gotten up and like yeah i don't know I, <laughs> I'm not really sure why we were out there playing tonight. We got guys, you know, being pulled out of the da da da
0: da. It wouldn't have been newsworthy for a guy to have said, "Hey, I don't think we should have played this game," and I'm not sure why we decided to.
1: Right. Yeah. And And instead, instead,
0: Colorado's collective approach was, "Well, we're here. Let's just give it a try." Now it didn't go well, but I mean, it's you. You at least respect that they feel comfortable enough in their own skin uh, competitively to say sure, we'll try it, we'll try it. We'll give it a whirl.
1: Now they played uh, better, they
0: probably win that game.
1: Right. So obviously Nathan McKinnon at the top of the lineup um is is the big one that that everyone that you know you keep an eye on. Who's gonna replace him? When's he back? But Darren Helm was also back at practice this morning, uh, in a regular sweater, was a full participant. Um Let's talk about this a little bit because we did talk yesterday about the app's bottom six and just kind of how they're shaking out this year. And if, if you listen to what we had said yesterday, we talked about the fact that, look, you need to get something out of your, your, your bottom six or your, your fourth line. Cause that's what, that's what I'm going to talk about here real fast. Your fourth line. You'd like to get contributions, but mostly you need them to go out there, hold down their own end, occasionally contribute, and then a lot of those guys, you need them to kill penalties. Darren Helm, I think, came in and was maybe not necessarily like a bright spot, but was a, a kind of surprising um, positive out of that first 10 games, which I think we all looked at as kind of like an overall negative. I You know, I remember us saying, yeah, Darren Helm's looked fine. Like, he's filled that role admirably. And as the team has gone the other way, save for maybe the one game against Detroit, um... Darren, Darren Helm and the abs have basically kind of just gone in like opposite directions this whole season. Yeah. Um, to the point where he really became problematic on the penalty kill, uh, right before his injury. And since coming off that fourth line, you know, whether you want to say that you've seen a huge improvement with it being Maltsev or you see no difference at all. I don't think anybody could argue that it's been worse with Mikhail Maltsev there. there.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and, and, you know, Jared Bednar has really liked Maltsev there. Where are we w- with Darren Helm? What do you, if it's you putting those lines together, are you leaving Maltsev in that spot? Or are you saying, no, this is, you know, we, we brought him in to be this guy, being Maltsev?
0: If it's me, I mean, I want to give the minutes to Maltsev.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and, and...
0: Uh, I I just, you're not tied to Darren Helm. Like, you always have respect for the veterans, right? The guys who've been around for a long time. So you have you have respect for them. But you're also trying to win games here. And again, there's a standard that you set. Darren Helm hadn't lived up to that standard often enough this season. And his ice time was taking a pretty big nosedive, as, even as he was still in games before he got hurt. Right, and I think uh,
1: I don't. don't That's what you think of Darren Helm?
0: Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Uh, We start talking about Darren Helm, and immediately I was like, it's bedtime. Yeah. Um, No, I I don't know how you can think that Darren Helm is pushing you forward.
1: More so than Malta. At worst,
0: at worst, he's keeping you stagnant. So I don't think he's I don't think he's hurting you in any significant way, but he's not helping you. Uh, and and you just wonder is what's the upside here? Now, when you don't know what the upside of Mikhail Maltsev is, it's really easy to say, well, I want to see what Maltsev can do. But you're tied to Mikhail Maltsev, he's an RFA.
1: Yeah, he's
0: 23. He came over in the Graves deal. Like, you've got – if you want, you have four more years of Mikhail Maltsev under team control. There's there's an investment in Mikhail Maltsev that you can really start to, to to make right now if you want it. And with Darren Helm, Darren Helm will be gone next year. You know, he'll be that guy right. that vet out and then probably vet in. You know, pull, else. pull Darren Helm off of another – Pull somebody else's Darren Helm in here for a one year, one million dollar deal. The you know the Jack Johnson, Darren Helm deals are just the beginning of these. Yeah, um, but and, and- you have to survive on these in in when your roster gets expensive and you have to pay your star players. You have to survive and and get positive contributions from these guys. Darren Helm has been a miss so far, uh, but it's not a painful miss because I mean it's a lot worse if they don't claim Abe Kubel off waivers. Yeah, but yeah. because Abe Kubel has played as well as he has, it's really it's really helped mitigate what they have not gotten from the Darren Helm edition.
1: Right. Well, and and see, I this is an area where you and I would normally disagree, right? Where I would say, no, you got to get that guy back into the lineup. The young kids, you know, they'll have their time to serve. But you're not talking about like, oh, you should call someone up instead of putting him back in. It's like, you know, you're you're we're not saying, ooh, they should call up Martin Kaut instead of putting Darren Helm back in the lineup. Yeah, ooh, I'm saying the guy that you've given 18
0: right. games to, you just keep giving games you just to. just keep
1: giving games to because yeah. he's given you no reason not to. And and again, I, I don't think, I, I don't know if I could find anyone to tell me that... What? Were you reading the Shakira thing? Mm-hmm. OK. <laughs> um, damn it. Is that is that really Dario? Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Dario. I, I have no idea what I was even saying. Oh, no. no. But, uh, you know, Mikhail Maltsev, I think, has been good uh, w- with where you put him. I, I think he looks way better than he did um, when, when he was here. Uh, earlier this season and, and Jared Bednar seems to be ha- happy with it. So I, where I was, what I was saying was I don't think you could find anyone or really any like statistical graphic m- argument that would say the abs are noticeably better with Darren Helm over Mikhail Maltsev.
0: Yeah. It doesn't exist.
1: Where, whereas where if you're talking about like a true prospect calling someone up you can say, well, yeah, they do good stuff in the AHL, but there's no guarantee that'll translate and you don't want to have to try to figure that out. Da 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 da. da. Um so I, I'm with you. I, I think Leave Maltsev. Dario makes a great point though. I I liked Dylan Sakura in his couple of games. I've been thinking yeah, all i I've been thinking all about. season about you and I talking at training camp, and you said I would bet my life that Dylan Sakura gets a few games with the Avs because he's been a, you know a Perfectly servable tweener for his mm-hmm. entire career. And I think that's kind of what he looked like. He comes up, plays a couple of good games with the abs. I thought he was going to bury a couple, goes back and puts up a hat trick in the AHL a night later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The season he's, he's, he's had did. in the AHL has been very, very good.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, the
0: season he's had in the NHL has been a little underwhelming.
1: Yeah. But he, uh,
0: To, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have know. it. The, the big thing between Darren Helm, Mikhail Maltsev, and Dylan Sakura is that Mikhail Maltsev is winning a lot of faceoffs, and he's yeah. a big boy. And when he physically engages, he uses his size really well, and he's got a major advantage over the other two in that area in yeah. that he is built better for what you want come postseason. And again, if he continues to win faceoffs. Like that's just an inherent extra value over a guy, the guys that are
1: on wing. Yep, yep. No, I agree. So, um, yeah. Over these, over these next couple days, we're definitely gonna have uh, a lot more clarity on roster once Nathan McKinnon starts coming back. Um, AJ, I want to round this show out with you know we're post All Star break, Mm -hmm. um, kind of just what to expect. But first, I've got to tell you guys about a couple new partners that we've got here on the DNVR avalanche podcast uh
0: i feel like there should be a button we push and a graphic plays and some music kicks up
1: new partner
0: exactly me 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 it's like the smash brothers intro where a new partner approaches
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that works something like that that's fine okay I, i figured that wasn't the full of what he was trying to play but that works new partner alert um, yeah, actually give me uh let's get a little siren graphic, new partner alert. Uh Evoca TV. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have at least heard them mentioned here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's probably because you haven't been able to watch the uh Nuggets or abs. Evoca TV is a totally new uh TV delivery system that is less expensive, more efficient, and offers superior picture than legacy providers. And that is right. The service includes local networks like Altitude Sports as well as other national channels. Evoca TV is growing constantly and adding new channels to their lineup. Uh, the service is now available in Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, and uh, Twin Falls, Idaho. In Denver, Evoca TV uses next-gen broadcast technology, which allows for a vibrant picture quality using far less bandwidth than uh, streaming services. Using an antenna and Evoca's smart receivers, customers in the Denver area can access next-gen broadcasts on ABC, NBC, Fox, and the CW. Most importantly, guys, Evoca TV has altitude sports, making it easy for you to follow the Colorado teams you love, including Nuggets, Abs, Rapids, Mammoth. Plus, you'll have have access to coverage of the Rams, uh, Pioneers, and some baseball as well. Go to Evoca. That's e v o c a dot tv slash dnvr. O v o v o What what just happened to me? I read this fine It happened to you. It
0: happened to you on DN too. I know.
1: I I don't know what it is. Evoca. Evoca dot tv slash dnvr. It is only twenty five dollars plus the cost for the receiver. No contracts. No hidden fees. And the price is locked in for two years. Uh, So head on over to evoca.tv slash DNVR and uh, get back to watching your abs and nuggets. New partner alert again, two in a row, nailed it. Uh, don't hear the music this time, but you know what? That's fine. I'm just going to keep going. Um, Ranch Rider Spirits launched in 2019 and born from a food truck in Austin, Texas. Employee owned Ranch Rider Spirits, uh, company is a premium spirit based seltzer brand. They were the first to put ranch water, the iconic Texan beverage in a can. Ranch Rider uses premium spirits tequila and six times dill uh, vodka, sparkling water and fresh squeezed citrus. They do not use any added sugars or artificial preservatives. No sugar and no shit. After only two years on the market, no they have established-
0: No is just downright un-American.
1: <laughs> uh, they've established themselves as one of the top 10 fastest-selling alcohol brands in the country. Wow. To pick up your own Ranch Rider, visit RanchRiderSpirits.com to find a location nearest you. I am not a fan of seltzers. I do not like them. I think they're bitter. I think they are kind of gross. I tried one of the Ranch Rider ones with tequila- <laughs> Loved it. I was all about it for real. Um, I, I, I haven't tried to tequila or excuse me, a vodka one as my dog is losing his mind. Um, dog saw
0: the same video I did of the Alpine skier who or, or the, <laughs> the the one who ran into the gate and the thing hit him right in the. Uh, oh, the dude.
1: dude uh, I, I was I was impressed. He was able to, like, bring himself to a stop. Yeah pass i'm out on that i'm with you i'm out on that uh, but is no. dumb, and i will never
0: understand it <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: but uh yeah no, the ranch rider uh seltzers they're they're very good so make sure you head on over to their website find uh location near you aj let's wrap this pod up here in the third period talk a little bit about we are post all-star break that is kind of you have these different markers throughout the NHL season with the first one being American Thanksgiving. And the one after that is Christmas. Then after that, it's all-star break. After that, it's trade deadline. And then it's, you're into the home stretch. So, and then it's the playoffs. And then it's the playoffs. Uh, so we have hit kind of the third unofficial marker of the season. I don't want to ask what you've thought, um, I want to ask what you think we are going to see with where the standings sit right now uh, with players that we think will be on the market uh, teams that are out of it teams that still think they're in it. What are you expecting to see here? Kind of give me your two uh, your top two storylines for the end of the season, whether they be abs or just NHL in general.
0: Uh, well, NHL in general, I think is the, the big story here is that the, playoff races are almost over. Yeah. Um, You don't really have one in the East. You know, I cling to the Islanders trying to come back, but (laughs) um, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. And out West out West, you have, uh, you know, you could talk yourself into a team like Winnipeg because of their games played. Maybe getting involved in it, but really it's, uh, the Pacific division, uh, the top, the top, sorry, the top four in the central, uh, Colorado Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis have kind of separated and Mm -hmm. it's can Dallas get in over one of those Pacific division teams. Right. And that's kind of it. Like, it's just not, it's just not a very interesting second half of the season in terms of like the chase for the postseason, Right. Um, I think that the Jack Eichel storyline is probably the marquee storyline of those playoff races because like Vegas, Vegas is at two points ahead of Los Angeles yeah. with just a game in hand. the The Pacific division has been aggressively mediocre this yeah. year. And Vegas has lost 12 of their 26 home games so far after wow. being dominant special team and impossible to, to to beat them in Vegas last year. You know, they've been awesome. Or I'm sorry, they've been awful at home compared to how awesome they've been on the road.
1: Right. Which is and, the reverse of what we've seen from them.
0: Yeah. And and Jack Eichel is like they the one thing they've never had in their franchise is the big number one center.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now that they have that what does it do for them? What are the what's the fallout from him coming back? They're gonna have to move somebody, right? They might have to move multiple somebodies. Right. What's the cost gonna be? How many cap shenanigans do they play? Like what how do they how do they get it so that activating Jack Eichel is right. something that they can do to put him in the lineup? Because they can't just activate him. They've got to do something. They have to pull right. guys out of their lineup somehow either they're faking some bullshit injuries, they're giving guys some surgery they don't need, they're doing whatever, <laughs> right? Or or they're just trading somebody. So, I think that the entire Jack Eichel storyline because of its fallout, because of the impact uh and be- partly because they've just not been very good through 46 right. games. Like they've played 620 hockey and I'm like they're not very good. Like they're obviously Vegas is very good. Right. But Vegas has not been nearly as good as we expected coming into the year. Good as I expected, and no, I, we'll, I we'll see. I say we I, I want to see. I want to see what happens. Yeah, with the whole Jack Eichel storyline. Uh, I think the East playoffs are pretty much wrapped up. I want to know. I think the Atlantic race is fascinating because winning that division is a that was huge mine. boon. Yep. Yep, that was my winning the Atlantic one to Division watch. is something that like all three of those teams that are in it badly want to do that. Yeah, because the teams that finish in the second and third have to play each other in round one, so right. you don't want that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I want to. I you know I want to, like everybody else out there are the New York are the New York Rangers for real or them getting crushed in shots and and chances and all this every night. Uh, and them and them relying on the brilliance of Vesna candidate Igor Shustarenko to bail them out every single night, right? So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm curious. Like there are some th- those are the things that I'm keeping an eye on. Outside yeah. of the selfishness of my Islanders, right,
1: right, <laughs> right. Yeah, see, for me, it's it's one of the ones that someone just put um, in the chat. I I just think, I think there's a couple teams like the wild. Um, let me see Who, who else is up there. You know, the Rangers are another good one. Boston's another good one. Um, you know, Nashville, I think is one St. Louis. I think is one, the two California teams that are in it are all teams that I don't know if maybe they're closer than they, than they thought they would be. Um, but they're teams that are all very much in the hunt, but they're clearly much more flawed teams than Vegas and Colorado, Toronto, um, Florida, Tampa. And I'm going to be interested to see what those teams do to try to keep pace. Um, those are the, you know, we, we all think back to the abs that first year they had, you know, that Aginla was here and they make those moves for Mikhail Bodker and, uh, uh, Sean, Mathias. Sean Mathias and technically Eric Jelena, but we don't remember that one cause True. he got hurt right away. Um, and those were, those are moves where you have to be so careful in this organization of not thinking you're closer than you are. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Minnesota goes out and gives up a bunch of assets for anybody. Um, <laughs> Because are they really that close? Are they really you know, ready to give up assets like that? Again, I think that trades like what the Avs made a few years ago for Bodker and Matthias, I think it hurt them and I think it slowed down that, that rebuild or them getting to where they're at now. So in addition to what you were saying, those are kind of the storylines for me um, that, that I just think are going to be so interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, Minnesota obviously has uh, a unique situation because $14 million of salary cap space just disappears next year into nothing. Right. Um, and so obviously, like, you're you're talking about major, major cap penalties uh, roll, in, roll into town. And, uh, I mean, I disagree with you on the Bodker and Matthias stuff. I don't think it was that big of a deal. But um, am not going to get into it. I just disagree. And I'm, I mean, you always want to know the deadline. The deadline, you're muted, by the way. The deadline is always um, one of those things where it's interesting to see which team takes themselves more seriously than the rest of us do. Um, which team can't hear you at all anymore. Your mic is doing that thing. Uh, you can't hear me? Oh, there you go. Uh, and then which team? I was like, I don't know how
1: to fix it this time. Yeah. Then, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and then like which teams? Which teams truly do go into seller mode? Because every year you talk yeah. about, oh, they're going to sell this guy or sell that guy. You know, you look at like a Seattle with Mark Giordano or Jonas Donskoy or you know a, any number of their guys that could be of interest to some to another team. Arizona obviously wants to continue its its teardown uh, and and selling off of anybody yeah. youthful. That right. isn't Clayton Keller or Nick Schmaltz, you know, and of course they would take calls on those guys because why wouldn't you? Right. Um, like Keller but, had
1: himself a great all-star weekend,
0: but and good for him. Like I'm, I'm yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But you, you also have teams that are stuck in the middle. Dallas is old and just okay. You know, San Jose now with Vander Kane's money and situation, no longer part of their problem. What do they do? Because they still have the three-headed monster in the bad way on defense <laughs> with Mark Edward Vlasic, Brent Burns, and Eric Carlson making a fuck ton of money, you know, yeah. taking up like $25 million of their cap space or however much it is. I I don't actually know. Um
1: you talking about Minnesota?
0: No, I'm talking about San Jose. Like oh, oh, team Totally in the middle yeah. right now where they're like they're they're okay. Like they they're probably better than they expected to be. Right. But they've lost a lot of their core guys over the last few years. And you look at you look at like okay, where what's what's the upside here? You know, but teams don't ever actually just like fully just go YOLO and sell everybody.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, so and you know, oh, what I'm, I what I said about I the... am
0: curious to see which of those teams separate themselves because Dallas, Dallas, I don't think does. Like, I don't think Dallas has a lot of work to do here. Um, they really only have a couple of older guys that they could that they could try and find new homes for. But otherwise, just letting them letting those guys leave and just allocating money elsewhere, or trying to get a little bit younger, uh, and leaning into maybe their next core. Um, no, Aaron Carlson's contract is not the worst in the league. He's still, he's still too functional of a player for it to be for his contract to be that bad. Um, but you have, you know, with Dallas, like you have a, you have an interesting kind of uh reboot that Mm -hmm. they're, that they're facing and it's, it's mostly like, do they even want to, or do they just say, look, this is the group that we've built and we're just going to, we're going to ride it out
1: one well, so the the chat about Minnesota being fine with their UFAs going they have just shy of 17 million dollars in dead cap starting next year for several years that that was that that will be one of the buyouts that for a long time I just don't understand
0: yeah the suitor one.
1: Both, I, I mean, Bre- the Suter Bre- one specifically, Sise, I
0: I totally understood where he stopped. He was not functional anymore. Right, he was playing right. On their fourth line, Ryan Suter was still in their top four and was still fine.
1: It's it's I'm almost positive it's up over 16 million for next year. Um, but either way, they are in for cap hell. So yeah, they're going to be an interesting team to watch because. Their hands are kind of tied into going for it to some extent this year because.
0: Yeah, it's 12.7 next year. And then the two years after that is 14.7. Dude. So it doesn't really matter how you try and split that. That's a ton of money.
1: That's right, three just, years of a
0: ton
1: of money. Right. For people to play against you. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> for you to get nothing. Right, like, right.
0: Pe- people, are pe- like, our chat every single day, people help, people roll into the chat and ask, can the Abs afford to sign Andre Burakovsky or whatever? And it's like, the Avs are going to have right around $30 million of cap space when all is said and done this summer. They're going to have the money to sign. They're They're going to have the money to sign whoever they want under the assumption that they're not going to sign all of them. Right. Like they're going to be the the abs are fine in terms of their cap. They're they're not really super duper up against it. They they don't have a, a endless amount of space. They've got enough to make decisions. But imagine having twelve point seven million dollars just taken away from you.
1: Right. I mean that that'd be like saying, hey, next year you have to take on what McKinnon's new contract will be. Um, yeah, but it's, you he's not going to be David
0: from your team. Just boop. Right. His salary is just gone. The player's gone.
1: His salary stays. The player's gone. Um, So uh, yeah, I I think there, I think you're right. I I think a lot of the interesting storylines are going to be away from the ice things that will impact what will eventually happen on the ice. But I'm kind of witty, man. You look at these standings that, that uh, Eastern conference has been settled for a while in terms of who's in, who's out. Um, maybe with the exception of your aisles um, and and the, and the, and the West is I'm starting, not a believer <laughs> the West is starting to shake out that way save for maybe that final wild card spot
0: yeah yeah I mean I think uh, the Pacific division because of the game's played disparity uh, right now feels very up in the air but it's also like you don't trust a single one of those teams outside right. There, I guess right yeah The closest I get to trusting any of those teams is Calgary. Calgary is the only one I have confidence like makes the postseason. I just don't know. I just don't know where it is. Well, they have an elite top line and a goalie. Yeah, we've seen that's a a recipe for making the postseason every single year.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, AJ, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, no. You and I have been staring at each other on a screen for Almost three full hours. So, yeah. I'm going to let you go and get you away from my ugly mug.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, I got work uh, to do.
1: I've got get back uh, to. Yeah, you're I've got
0: Lost Ark to play. Ooh. Obviously. It just came out today.
1: <laughs> Jesse Montano and AJ Hayfley. This has been the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you guys by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll be back at it tomorrow. We got a game coming up on Thursday. We've got a couple new looks for you guys and, uh, Starting Friday, we are kind of kicking into our second half of the season mode. Uh, Really looking forward to everything that we'll be bringing you guys. Thank you all so much for listening.